Awesome. How's everybody doing tonight? A little cold and rainy? It's a good night. You guys must be hungry. Come on. Hey, it's good. I said there's a blessing for those who hunger. Amen. Just want to welcome everybody here this evening and um, super excited to be here. So has everybody been enjoying this classes in the school so far? Amen. Yes. We've been getting dreams. Yeah. Yeah, we've been getting dreams. Um, I know we've covered uh, a few things. We've been, I feel like we've covered a lot of territory so far from uh, just some practical key interpretive points of how to approach the dream and, and some basic nut and bolts of interpretation. And I think also last week we got really good in depth in uh, symbols and uh, vehicles and cars and other things, if you remember. And I just want to encourage you. I, I really enjoyed last class. Uh, there was just some great questions, great comments, and I just want to encourage that tonight as well. Uh, I think we learn off each other too. So uh, I just really want to encourage that as well. If anything comes, you just got a question, we'll just go and we'll walk, walk through that. I um, just want to say a prayer, and I just kind of want to open up. Father, we just thank you right now for tonight, Jesus. We just, we just surrender to you, Lord. We surrender to you, Holy Spirit, right now. Mm. And we just thank you, Father. We thank you even for the rain tonight, Lord. Lord, it's just a symbolic picture of how you just wash away everything, Lord. And you just bring cleansing and purification and healing. And so right now, I just want to invite the spirit of peace in this place. Peace that passes all understanding just to flood our hearts and our minds right now. Everything that has gone on in the day, Lord, we just, we just cast those cares off right now. And Father, we just focus our attention on you on what you're saying and doing. Jesus, you said that you would give the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth. And so, Holy Spirit, sir, I would ask, just guide us tonight. Guide our discussion. Guide our, our thoughts. Guide revelation. And I just pray that revelation would just come and flow through the room tonight. That you would connect dots. That you would even unlock dreams for people here tonight. Lord, that we would all grow in the knowledge of who you are. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. So I figured we start kind of some, with something fun tonight. So I need, I'm probably going to call in two brave volunteers. So especially some of you have been here since we started. Um, this is what I was kind of thinking start out tonight. It would be great if, if somebody who's had a dream since we've started this school, that you've had a dream that you know is from the Lord, and uh, you would like to share it before, before we raise hands or anything, and you would like to share it. And then I want another volunteer or somebody else who feels like I'd like to take a stab at the interpretation of it. And so I would like to call, call you up. So we need a dreamer, and then we need an interpreter. All right, so who's going to be our dreamer first? Oh, how did you, Amber, who would we choose? I'm going to let Amber choose. Pat, come on, Pat. Okay, we need an interpreter and somebody who will take a stab. And it's okay. We just want to, you know, this is creating an atmosphere. It's okay. It, it don't have to be perfect. You may not get it right, but we'll coach and walk through. And, uh, but we need an interpreter who's someone who could step out and say, I think I'd, I'd like to give a stab at it based on some of the stuff we've been learning. Ooh. Not, not, yeah, come on, Tracy. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm writing them down in the middle of the night, so let's see if I can read what I wrote. 
and, and I, I, I put a heading on it. I put something's been stolen from me. It's a CD or a CD-like disc with proprietary information on it. I work in business with a handful of employees. I think in newspaper, I produce something depending on the others. I, I did work in newspaper, I do work in magazine. So that's his current life, although I just stopped doing newspaper. We're in another city like Raleigh. It's north of where I live. And I'm going to this cutting edge revolutionary class helping in the classroom. It's a college, grad school, or higher level. I take information, the stuff that's on the CD or whatever this thing is that the information's on. I take it with me. The man leading the class is a friend associate I've known a long time. Now, I'm wearing a necklace, and it's beaded and leather, looks American Indian, and it hangs around my neck. He takes a scraping from it. Um, the leather knot, yep, he takes a scraping, he comes over with a knife, he takes a scraping from the knot on the leather, and he gets very excited. I, oh, it's got lots of twists and turns. Okay. I can't read it, it says. Um, a man, oh, okay, going up there, driving up there, we're in a car. I don't know what color it is, but it's a man, a young woman, and me, and I'm on the passenger side. The man is in the middle. The young woman is, drive, is in the driver's seat, but the man in the middle has his left hand out, and he's driving. Can't see either one of their faces, and I'm in the passenger seat. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's one woman in the driver's seat, but there's a man in the middle, and he's literally driving with his hand across her. Um, I rely on him, I trust him. Okay. I'm, a, I'm, I'm me, but I don't look like me. Hmm. I could be an older me, but I'm definitely not a younger me. Hmm. The me is really smart. <laughs> and this is a high-tech class seminar, and I'm an expert. The instructor says, you should come more often to help. And I say, yes, I should. We're doing some kind of discovery together. Very groundbreaking, very exciting. Something technolo techno technological. He gets some level of excitement off the scraping. Something, something. I can't read my writing because it's in the middle of the night. Hey, you write it down until you it's quit. Okay. That's right. We leave there and we go somewhere else in the facility that's like a school, and I leave my bag, that same bag that I have here tonight, the one I always carry my Bible and stuff in, and go to another part of the building. The man who came with us, who was driving, is thinking of leaving my employment. I tell him, and, and I remember this dialogue, so I wrote it down, you have to give notice, you can't just walk out, it will make, thing, make me go out of business, you have to give at least two weeks notice. We get back to the classroom to gather our stuff, and I know something's missing from my bag that was left there. I go to it looking. The CD disc or whatever it is with all the research is missing. I look again. The woman who was with us is gone. Time to drive back, drive back home. Have a conversation with the man. He says he's talking to this woman I know who's in real estate, who has 
who worked for me, which it's not real. Um, she worked there for a week, this says. And I didn't treat him well. I say whoever it was didn't have an aptitude. Aptitude. Didn't know how to, couldn't do the job. I can't read my writing. What's on the disc? I know. It's not something that I can't recreate, but it's been stolen. I want to panic, but I try to stay calm, rational, trusting God to protect me in this. I wake up, write it down, and start interceding. <laughs> that's, that's it. I told you it was really bad. And this was on the 30th, so it was just right after. It was like the night after this class. The night after class. our last class. Yeah. So okay. It's your fault. We have um, not that I wrote them down. It sounds like it's a several-part dream. Mm -hmm. So Good. just take the first part, maybe, so you don't feel so overwhelmed. Where she's where she's wearing a Native American Come necklace. And yeah, all that. that's that stood out to me a lot, and um, immediately the scripture came to mind in Proverbs, um, and I had to look it up. That's what I was doing. It's in Proverbs six. Mm. And it is six, it's 20 and 21, really. It says, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart, fasten them around your neck. Wow. And it was the fastening around the neck. And I feel like it was about the teaching because you were there receiving teaching. And it was a higher teaching that you were receiving, right? You, yeah. Okay. So, but I feel like, and I feel like the disc represents revelation. Um, good. Uh, now the stolen revelation, I'm not getting, I'm, I'm not getting revelation on that one. Um, and I feel like in the car also that the woman and that the man reaching over and driving, um, but that you felt safe and you trusted him to drive. And I feel like that's the Holy Spirit driving. Um, I'm not sure about the woman, maybe an angel that has another part in, in helping, yeah, maybe, mm. could be, wow. sure, younger you version of you. What was your feelings with the woman? I didn't really have any other than she's not driving. He's mm. driving. And then I, re I remember thinking, well, I trust him. Yeah. And you remember what we talked about last week of sometimes we'll drive in a vehicle. Are we driving or is someone else right. driving? If someone else driving and we really don't know who they are, what they're driving, Nine times out of ten, it's representing either the Lord or the Holy Spirit. I got that part. Got it. Yeah, I did. And I, and I got after that class that this higher learning thing, that was, that was good. Mm -hmm. Wherever I was, it was good. Yeah, you're in a school, so it's something yeah. the Lord's teaching you right now. Definitely. And remember, we talked about that last week. We talked about schools and what happens when you dream of schools, higher education, higher learning. So this, to me, immediately is you're in a season of high learning and preparation right now. Yay. You're in, you're in an accelerated season of high learning and preparation. And um, it also speaks to the impartation that you carry in teaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tracy, I, you have something? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on. I feel like it's a destiny dream. And the reason I feel like it's a destiny dream is because you said it was dealing with the newspaper and the magazine and, and those things kind of at the beginning that... And I feel like that's tied to, like, what you've done and kind of 
who you are, even though that's not how you identify yourself. But, you know, and I feel like that ties it and perhaps makes this a destiny dream that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, too, it's dealing with inherita- inheritance. Yeah, come I, on. I feel like it's dealing right. with your inherit inheritance. Yes. The Native American is something yes. really special that the Lord's trying to awaken inside of you. Ooh. And at the very end of the dream, this coworker or counterpart in your work who's coming and wanting to leave and you're you're telling him, please give a two weeks notice or my business will shut down. I feel like that's a distraction because during that distraction, your CD was stolen, which is Tracy brought out Revelation. And I, f- I feel like Pat was on with the woman being a reflection of you. Mm. You think you're driving, but you're not. Oh. <laughs> the Lord's really in control. Thank you, Lord. So you wow. don't worry about those little things that might feel like be a hindrance because they're just distractions from the Lord. Stay focused on what he's trying to teach you yeah. in this season and the higher learning in your business because it's part of your inheritance. Wow. And it's part, and, and I feel like with the necklace too, it's your identity. It's it stems out of what you have in your identity is something to offer. I feel like the the man who was taking the sample and that he got really excited was trying to glean from you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something from you, not mm-hmm. not even necessarily your past but what you have available or what you are capable of doing mm-hmm. now. Yeah, which stems out of who you are, Yeah, which is identity, yeah. Did you say that the disc that was stolen was not a problem because you could reproduce it or you could get access to it again? Did that, is that what you said? Bell. I thought somebody could take it and use it against me. Um, you know, in other words... somehow hurt me by taking it, Mm -hmm. but it didn't rob me. It wasn't like the information was gone from me forever, but it was going to somehow be used I think felt if the disc was revelation, it can't be stolen from you. Yeah. 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 Well, I've started a bunch of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) A movie script, a book, um, all kinds of stuff. So I, I, this ties in. This is so a setup of the Lord because we were going to talk a little bit about inheritance streams through tonight and stuff. So I feel like, man, this was not set up. This was like Holy Spirit. But I feel to pray for Pat right now. And we, we want to just. Yeah. Come on. Well, we want to pray. Guys, stretch your arms out to Pat. Father, we just thank you right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this dream. We thank you that it is a destiny dream. Father, that you are speaking to Pat, that you are uncoding and unlocking destiny inside of her. And so, Lord, we just get behind her in Jesus' name. And we just ask you to accelerate, accelerate this season of learning, of training, of preparation. Father, we ask, God, that you would uh, expand her ability to receive expand her ability to receive. And we ask for the inheritance that she has never tapped into to be awakened. God, that she would tap into the inheritance of her fathers and forefathers, Lord, in this season, in this time, Jesus. We thank you for revelation that is coming to her, that is is being fed through heaven into her soul and her spirit, Father. 
And we just bless her right now. In Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Woo. And thank you, Tracy. That was amazing. Come on. Let's give them a hand. Give them some love. Oh, that was so good. Man, thank you, guys. Uh, we're just going to kind of dive in from there. And um, I'm going to share tonight. I think everybody's got a handout on the table. Uh, we're going to continue to go on. I just felt like that was a good vein. We started last week with the most common dreams that people have. So we're going to do uh, several other dreams that I felt were pretty common um, and, and kind of cover those. Before I do, John 15, 4 is a great scripture. I've been meditating on that uh, this past week, uh, also in relation to this class. Uh, John 15, 4, a uh, very, very simple verse. Let me find it. But uh, it's in the context of uh, Jesus right before he goes to the cross and a very intimate moment with the disciples. And uh, he leans back, and, and I think it's the NIV. Uh, I have the NIV, and it says this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. But I think the King James or another version says, abide in me. I, I like that one better. Abide in me. And I will abide in you. Abide in me. Dwell. Yeah. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. So I, I just felt like uh, this is a great verse to kind of just lay a framework for tonight's class. Abide in me and I will abide in you. I will dwell in you. In that abiding, in that dwelling is a key for interpretation of dreams. Have we been talking about symbols Basically, last week's class, right, we went in depth, a lot of symbols. We'll do it some tonight. Remember vehicles, uh, all, all the other things we covered last week, symbols. And what we've been doing is we've been trying to identify symbols in our dreams, but, which is great. And, and, I mean, it's what we're supposed to do, I feel, you know, to get the interpretation. It's the part of the process. But that's not enough, I think, to crack the full meaning, not enough to crack the full interpretation. So the question is, how do we go from dream symbols to the actual message of the Holy Spirit and what that dream is saying? And so collecting those symbols and collecting the meanings behind those symbols is key, but it's only like step one. The second part is now taking those symbols to the Holy Spirit, abiding in Jesus, abiding in Him, dwelling in Him, and saying, connect the dots, Holy Spirit. Connect the dots. What does this mean? What are you saying? And a lot of times it'll be, it'll, you'll have parts of that dream, that revelatory meaning. But then when he speaks, it's like, whoa, this is amazing. It's, it's powerful. Yes. You know me, you're going PSs. But he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah. So there's a difference between right. dwelling and abiding. Yeah, absolutely. A difference between dwelling and abiding. That's a good word, Miss Marion. Um, an example of this, what I'm talking about with these symbols and getting the message of the Holy Spirit. I heard uh, Will Ford share a dream. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Will Ford. Will Ford shared a dream one time. I hope I don't mess it up. But uh, in the dream, uh, he was coming out of a, a large hotel. Will Ford is an African-American man, speaker in, in the prayer movement ministry, travels around. Will Ford uh, came out of his hotel in the dream, and uh, he was carrying 
um, uh, uh, a white briefcase with black handle. It had a black handle, and it was a white briefcase. And he said he, he, it was Martin Luther King's briefcase in the dream. So in the dream, he's carrying Martin Luther King's briefcase, white briefcase with black handle, and they come to the street curb, and he's with Martin Luther King, them two standing side by side, and they're getting ready to go in a taxi, like they're getting ready to go to a, a, a meeting. And so all of a sudden, he puts it down, and he's waiting, they're waiting on the cab, and he goes to pick it back up again, the briefcase. And Martin Luther King looks at him and says, don't you pick up that bag. Don't you pick it up. Wakes up, and I'm like, okay. So if you peel that back, like what we're doing, you see some symbols, the briefcase. Well, that could, that could mean revelation. That could mean storage. That could mean several things, whatever the context and. As you break that dream down, what does that briefcase mean? So you got that symbol meaning. Martin Luther King, he represents something, of course, right? He's appearing in your dream. We'll talk about that in a little bit. When he appears in your dream, what does that mean? What does he represent, right? So you start picking apart that dream, and you start decoding all these symbols. But now the question is, how do you move into the revelation of it? So in Will's interpretation, as he sought the Lord, he got all these kind of the symbols broken down, but then the Holy Spirit spoke to him because the question he asked the Lord is, why did Martin Luther King tell me to drop this bag and not pick this bag up? He said, because the bag represents the white baggage that the black community is carrying from the hurt and pain, even from slavery days. And he said, don't pick that bag up means don't pick up the hurt and the pain and the anger and the bitterness. Let it go. Did you? Yeah, that's all good. Hey, maybe you got it. That's good. Right, but the point. But the point is, did everybody else get that? Did everybody else get that? Like Pat, see, not everybody else got it, Pat. Hey, you might be advanced. You just you're in the. Listen, we're gonna put you in the advanced track. We're gonna put you in the advanced track. But you guys get the point there, though. So you got the symbols, but then you gotta you gotta dwell with the Lord. You gotta you gotta go to the Holy Spirit and let Him connect the dots of those symbols, and that's where the revelation comes. So, awesome. Okay, let me start on this dream here. Uh, dreams of dying. Dreams of dying. Some of these are dreams, they always dream of dying. They always dream of dying. Okay. Well, we'll cover that. And dreams of dying. Um, I don't know. Has anybody in here ever had a dream of dying? Jamie's had one. Trina, Renee, Jesus, hold on one second, Renee, can you share that with me? Amen. Amen, some sad dream, I, I had a dream of my mom dying, and I just began to plead the blood and pray for her, got up and went to the restroom and came back by, and my mother, my mother stays with me. And my mom was sitting on the side of the bed, woke up trying to grasp her breath. Mm. Now, is and she alive now? or is she? Yes, she's alive. Okay. And um, I took her to the emergency room. She went to the emergency We've been at the emergency room all day. But the thing what it is is she's never had to. And, I mean, I'm right in the next room, and that was just so close. Wow. And God has showed me my mom dying and showed her being carried. And um, my mother woke up, and she said it scared her so bad she never had had that to happen. Just oh, just couldn't catch her breath. And I'm like, God, I said, God, I thank you. And I just wanted to say to you all, to me, y'all are advanced teachers. 
Mm. You know, when she was saying the dream, I'm not trying to interpret, right. but I thank God for this because it's even worse. I said, God is so, my, my mom talking about the weather and everything, and I said, no, Ma, I got to go. I said, because what I'm being, the impartation that y'all teaching, I believe, is causing us to dream and have um, um, interpretation yeah, because of on. what we're seeing now. Jesus. And I just want to say thank you to you and your wife. Oh, man. You know, I don't take it lightly. This is great. Awesome. And my mom was always, she was talking about like seeing things through dreams and everything was going through her dreams. And I said, Mom, I said, this is from God. Wow. And she said, yes, I said, that's what I feel like right you, now. And you dreamt of her dying. Blood in that something. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Renee. Wow. That's a Heidi. I had a dream, but this is recent. Um, in 2016, a month before Emily was going to school, that I was pregnant. And at the time, I was like, no, no. I woke up, I told Joel, I'm like, I had this dream I was pregnant. I was like, oh, I was scared because I was thinking, she's going to school, hooray. And so when I got pregnant with Altera, at the time I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm pregnant. This is awful. I didn't want a baby. But when Joel went to um, California, it was comforting to me not to have that free time and to have Altera. And so, like, when Joel's dad came to visit, it's like it was I was encouraged because it all made sense. And Joel's dad, it was when I was pregnant without Tara that Joel's dad had told me he thought that his mom was gonna pass. Mm. And so I just thought, thank you, God, that I Wow, definitely comforting man. Man, thank you for sharing that, Heidi. These dreams of dying, you know, they can go many ways. But again, it comes back to the dreamer in the context of the situation and, and what, what the circumstances are around it. Typically, now remember, I've been kind of stressing this all throughout, right? Just, just because maybe we put up here, remember, it's a rule of thumb. They can apply in different ways. Typically, dreams of dying, if it's yourself dying uh, in the dream, it's usually symbolic or metaphoric. So it's usually there's an area of your life that's passing away. God... God is trying to communicate to you that there's an area of your life that is passing away, that's passing away. Now, remember, that's not all the case. I, I do believe it could be literal sometimes. Good God could give a preparation or forewarning that this is what is to come. Let me give you an example. On the first one, when we went to Nepal uh, earlier this year, we went up into the Himalaya Mountains, shared my experience here at that church, and uh, with church here, man, it was a tough trip going up that mountain, even in the natural, and I felt like I was dying because I was battling so much fear of heights and going over those cliffs and all that stuff, and we got up to the mountain church, and uh, we spent the night in that church, and this is in the Himalayan mountains, there's no power, there's no communication, it's just, you're, I don't know how many thousand feet up in the air, and we're all together, we're sleeping on the floor, and that night, I mean, I had the most, one of the most profound dreams I've ever had in my life. And, and it was like I died. I knew it. In the dream, it was like I had died. But I'm looking at myself in the room. But as I'm looking in the room, I look up, and Jesus himself is literally at the door. I'm watching everybody passed out. They're still sleeping. And I'm looking at me like dead. 
and Jesus himself is right at the door. And just to give context, that day, I mean, I had really battled with this fear of heights. And, man, I was just, like, warring in the spirit. Like, I thought I was going to die going over those mountains. And I'm like, Lord, where did this come from? What is all this? And um, so I'm sitting down in the dreamer. I'm looking at Jesus. And it's like he's not like, you know, he's not like joyful Jesus. He's like serious Jesus. He is like coming to judge or something. That's what I felt. And so I look at him. He won't enter in the door, but he's at the doorpost. And um, I lock eyes with him, and I walk right up to him. And when I walk right up to him, this is what he says to me. He says so clearly. He goes, it comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. And this is wild, but in the dream, I start crying. And out of nowhere, this boldness rose up in me. And I looked at him in the eyes, and I said, and I've paid that cost. I have paid that cost, Lord. And it was like he lit up, like he smiled, like he was waiting for me to say that answer. And basically the dream ends. But I really believe praying and seeking the Lord on that. I felt there was a part of me that passed away. I felt like there was a spiritual, I had a spiritual death in a good way that some things had to break off and fall off of me. And that dream, it was, it was for me. So that, that's one example that I know I've had of these dreams. I've had several dreams of my natural dad. You guys know my dad sits over there, Richard. Um, I've, had, I've had dreams almost through my whole life of him dying, of, of dreams just like Renee was having where, where he was dying. But usually if I've seen that, when I've had those dreams about my dad, I've noticed some things have broken off of my dad in a good way that have promoted healing in his life. Uh, some old things, old old ways or old religious stuff, you know, it just, boom, I, I would have this dream that he was having heart problems or something like that, and he would die, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's going to die, but I, and I'm dreaming, I'm praying, the Lord's like, no, I'm working in his heart, you know, I'm touching his heart, this is, this is part that's passing away, so I, I just found that was interesting. Um, uh, just to share too, yeah, recently, uh, my mom shared with me that she had a dream that she wished, I never shared this with you. Mm. Um, in the dream, she's standing in her kitchen in her house, and who knows what the kitchen means in your house, your heart. Come on. She's standing in the kitchen, and out of the clear blue, she gets shot, and it kills her. And she's looking at herself, dead on the floor, bleeding out. And in the dream, she has knowledge who shot her, and she wakes up. Wow. Intense, right? Wow. But it was pertaining to a situation that she was walking through at that time, and she had been shot, and she had been betrayed, and it shot her in her heart. And I think sometimes more than anything, God really cares about our heart. <laughs> he really cares about the condition of our heart. He gives us warning, like I feel like your dream, God was just giving you insight, almost preparing your heart for what was to come. And for, I think, my mom's situation, God was almost given a revelation of what's going on in your heart. Because that's not natural. We put up walls, we get angry, and we press on, right? Mm -hmm. And we suppress. But I think that was a healing dream, yeah. even in the midst of her dying, insight to what was really happening in the natural. That's good, Amber. The, um, th and that's kind of the two ways I, I, I feel like to see this, dreams of dying. Either it's that symbolic, there's an area of my life that's passing away, that this part of me is dying so I could, you know, grow into the Lord, grow in maturity. The other side of that is maybe this right here, preparation for it, it may really happen. And and even God, in God her life, you. too, that 
relationship that she had with this person, the way it had been was dying or had died. Yeah. I want to share this out of Brian Carraway's book. Um, man, I, have n- I love history, but I have never heard this. I felt like it would bless you guys. Um, this is about a dream of dying, but it actually was a forewarning. It actually happened, but to the person it happened to, I couldn't believe I never heard it. It says, most students of history can always recite the details of the event that happened on April the 14th, 1865. Got it, Pat. Woo, you're a history student. You know the story? It was at Ford's Theater. John Wilkes Booth changed history with a single shot, killing President Abraham Lincoln. What many do not know is the dream experienced by the 16th President of the United States almost two weeks prior to the assassination. A dream that Abraham shared three days before his death. Here's the dream from Abraham's diary. About 10 days ago, I retired very late. I had been up waiting for important dispatches from the front. I could not have been long in the bed when I fell into a slumber. I was very weary. Soon I began to dream. There seemed to be a death-like stillness about me. I heard many sobs as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. The silence was broken by the painful sobbing, and the mourners were invisible. I went from room to room, and no living person was in sight. But the same mournful sounds of distress met me as I passed along. I saw light in all the rooms, and every object was familiar to me. But where were all the people who were grieving as if hearts were breaking? I was so puzzled and alarmed. Determined to find the cause of state of things so mysterious to me, I kept on until I arrived at the east room, which I entered. There I met with a sickening surprise. Before me was a, I don't even know what that word is, on which rested a corpse, a a cataphlac, I don't know what a cataphlac or a table maybe, a table on which rested a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments. Around it were stationed soldiers who were acting as guards, throngs of people gazing on the corpse whose face was covered, others weeping pitifully. Who is dead in the White House? I asked one of the soldiers. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. Then came a loud burst of grief in the crowd. I awoke from this in my dream, from my dream. I slept no more that night. And although it was only a dream, I have been strangely annoyed by it ever since. And three days later is the assassination. Unbelievable. Two things that I, you know, again, maybe it could happen. So we don't ever want to rule that out. But also, this could be in a preparation for Abraham Lincoln before he was to go. But I want to note one thing. Even President Abraham Lincoln journaled his dreams. Come on. Isn't that, that's really good to know. But um, I wanted to share that with you guys. I don't know exactly uh, where I met her at, but uh, she was an elderly lady, and I met her in the hospital, and um, she got released, and she went back home, and and she asked me to come with her. So I came back with her, and uh, um, a couple days later, she passes away. Now, she's in a a pretty large house, and um, her family... uh, just uh, takes all the furniture out and sells everything, and they're getting ready to uh, sell the house. 
Well, um, something told me to go back into the house and to go all the way upstairs, and um, there was a hidden door, and I went into this hidden door, and there was a bigger, uh, a bigger room in there, and there was all kinds of antiques, old stamps, old coins, and whatnot, and um, it, whatever that was that I found there, it gave me uh, power of some sort, and um, I, I don't know after that. That's wow, and that that was a dream. Well, I, I, the first word that jumped out to me was inheritance. Yeah. That is definitely a, a, one of those inheritance dreams, hidden inheritance, secret revelation for sure, the house, the wife. So, man, Doug, thank you for sharing that. Uh, number seven, dreams of previous relationships. This is going to be a good one. Dreams of previous relationships. Um, this could be, I'm going to, we'll get into a little bit more, but this could be on many different levels. But when people appear from your past in your dream, what does that mean? Why would, why would you dream of somebody appearing in your past? What, what, what does that mean? What are they, what is, does that mean you're going to meet that person? What, always, usually, typically, typically, that is not so much you're going to encounter that person. Although you might. It's you know, always a possibility. But it's most likely that person is carrying a message that God wants you to understand that he's trying to communicate to you through that person. So a lot of times, God will give us dreams about previous relationships, people in our past. For instance, a girlfriend or a boyfriend. So let's say you had a dream of a previous girlfriend or boyfriend. Let's, you've been broke up for a long time. You've not communicated. Uh, what does that mean? Does, what's going on? What's the Lord trying to show you? Well, it would depend. Did you, did you have a positive relationship with that person? Or was it a negative relationship with that person? So you want to ask the Lord, what does this person mean? What are the message they carry in? Is this associated with something that I was behaving in badly and not behaving in a good way or, or a positive way? Um, for a lot of times in my past, I've had a lot of dreams where definitely a lot of my friends would appear. Um, specifically, friends that I would do drugs with back when I used to do drugs. So even, even now, even now and then, I'll get a dream where some buddies that I used to run with or drink with or smoke with or whatever will appear in the dream talking, doing something. So I, I don't have contact with them. I've not spoken to some of them in years. So I, what, is, what does that mean? So I've learned to, through the Holy Spirit, to interpret that dream that the Lord is wanting to usually warn me. Usually when, when someone comes out of your past, especially if it's tied to a negative experience, it's almost always a warning. And the Lord may be warning you, here's the warning, not to drift in into old habits or familiar patterns or familiar thinking that you used to do when you were in that stage of your life. Does that make sense? Um, somebody just shared with me that they kept having a dream about a certain person. And they'd wake up and they'd be sad. And remorseful. And having coming from a deliverance background, if that's possible, it always spoke to me that there was something that, that was not dealt with right. with that person or what that person represented. Yes. And, right, uh, so it, it's a place where you have to 
dig yes. and to see exactly what it is so that that represents. It may not be the exact person. Like my mom dreamt of her brother. Right. And she's never dreamt about anybody in the family, but she did dream about her brother. And she said he would appear to her in her room. And she was, uh, so I said, Mom, did, how'd that make you feel? She goes, oh, no, it made me scared. It made me feel bad. I, I, was, I had to get up and go drink some water before I could go back to bed again. And she had a bad relationship. There you go. Right. But she didn't know enough about forgiveness. Mm. I had to walk her through. Forgiveness. So it was the Lord showing her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that, it's, it's right on. Um, just to be transparent, I, if you were here Sunday, I shared um, I had a very promiscuous life before I knew the Lord. I had been involved in many relationships that were sexual, outside of marriage, everything, before I knew God. And so a lot of times, if I'll dream of a certain person that I have that type of relationship with now in my current state, I almost always know it's a warning not to drift into any sexual temptations or sexual lust because that's the connection I had with them back then. You know, so that's how I've learned to interpret that when people appear in your past. Now, it could be positive. It could be really good, uh, especially if it's a family member or a friend that you had. Let's say it was a good friend that was there for you. You know, you had a great relationship with. Maybe you dream of that person now, and you're not communicating or connected with them. What does that mean? Most likely, it means, listen, something good's coming your way. And whatever that person's carrying or the message they have or the positive experience may be reinforced in your life. It may be coming right back around. That, yes. Oftentimes in preparation for prayer ministry, Pat sends out the journal a couple of weeks in advance. And we ask, James says, if you lack wisdom, ask the Lord, right? So we ask for who should we forgive and what should we confess? It's regular. There's routine in the fact people have dreams of people of their past soul ties, connections, roots that the Lord wants to. So it's a it's like a preparation to, yeah. I want this, this session that you're going to have with yeah. me to be effective. So, Yeah, that's great. I was going to say, too, um, sometimes if it's old past relationships that you were, you know, someone you were in relationship with, sometimes it's old insecurities, like yeah, to be on guard against those old past insecurities that you had in that relationship to resurface again, yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah, no, that, that's excellent. Mm -hmm. I would share a dream that I had many months ago, and it was a, uh, I was in a waiting room with a friend, and the friend you would know who she is from our church, who was my very, my buddy, Lorna, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh the spaceless person came in. That's what I always figured was the Holy Spirit because he said, it's time to leave the waiting room. So we went. I took his hand, and we went down to a big stage like this. Mm. The two of us went down together, and we were happy. We both were looking at some books, and we, we just heard that we were getting excited about going somewhere, and the Lord said it was not time. So that's always just a good friend. Yeah. And I always felt, what did this mean? Did she have something that I needed? And maybe I had something that she needed. Wow. I, I don't know. Yeah. And so you had a good relationship with her, right? And so, and you had that not too long ago. Yeah. So I would, I would really kind of maybe interpret that as 
the Lord is bringing some encouragement there. He's bringing a companion. There's, 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 a, there's a level of friendship that the Lord may want to be, give you. Mm-hmm. Amen. No, that's really, that's really good. And it could just meet, be insight for a future proposition. Yeah, future time. A f- insight to a future proposition. Yeah. Because in the dream, the Lord spoke to you, said it's not yet time. That's right. So maybe he's given you insight and wisdom to a situation that's coming. And if it's a previous relationship or friendship from the past, and that's another indicator. It could resurface, Mm -hmm. yes. For example, probably seven months ago, I started having a dream about a mutual friend that we had um, years ago, probably three or four years ago. And she just randomly started dreaming about her. I would be in a place of ministry, and she would come in on a tour bus, or um, she would show up wherever I was. And I was like, Lord, why am I dreaming about this person? Like, there was some stuff there. And I was like, you know, make it check my heart. If I fully forgiven her, you know. But lo and behold, one night we were laying in bed, and Mike's phone dings. And um, she had messaged him. <laughs> so this person who had been out of our life for, like, four years, all of a sudden, boom, pops up again after I had been dreaming about her for several times. And it was all about, it was all ministry-related stuff. But in her connection, it turned ugly again, <laughs> just because she needs healing. Um, but it was the Lord giving me warning, warning, she's getting ready to make a reappearance. Mm-hmm. So sometimes wow. God just warning that's a, you. That's a, good, that's, a good, that's a great example. Wow. Yeah, so, so past relationships, that's usually what they mean. It's just a very common dream to have. Family members, I, I really want to lock on to this one. Family members. Anybody's dream of family members, especially grandparents, right, before? Um, we've hit on this a little bit, but I just want to kind of nail it. Uh, usually when you dream of family members, almost nine times out of ten, it's a generational issue. It's a generational issue at work, especially if it's your parents, your grandparents, or your great-grandparents, or a house or something that they were associated with. Almost nine times out of ten, that's going to be a generational dream. The question that you have to decide is, is God revealing this to me? Is this a generational blessing dream or is this a generational curse dream? Is there something that I need to break off my family line? Is there something that the Lord is trying to show me that I need more more intentional to pray and to cut off a a generational curse that's flowing like divorce or, or, or pornography or something? Or is it more of a inheritance dream, a little bit more like, uh, Pat had, and uh, do, I, do I need to ask the Lord for generational blessings and keys to unlock uh, things that I've never stepped into? So uh, anytime you dream of that, so especially like, oh, sorry, as you or me, grandparents, um, especially grandparents, uh, great-parents, uh, generations for sure. I, I had a dream, I've not shared this one yet, literally when we started the class. Uh, right the week before we started this class, I had a strange dream. And at first, I just really scratched my head. But then I, I felt the Lord gave me interpretation. It was, it's a personal dream, very personal for me. But I felt that to share on this issue. In the dream, I dream of my old pastor from childhood. I grew up in New Jersey for a time. And I had a, a pastor there. He was a really good pastor, spiritual father to my mom and dad and our family. And uh, I've only spoke to him once in the last 17, 18 years because he, he lives down in Florida. So 
in the dream, I'm back at the church in New Jersey where I grew up at and where I went and was saved at and where he was the pastor. But I'm an adult like I am now. So in the dream, we're at the church, but we're outside in the, in the yard, and I'm standing around, and I'm looking at him. And uh, his name is Mitch. And, and I said, Pastor Mitch. And I look at him, and I said, where's your father's grave at? And he goes, oh, it's right there. And he points in his father's, there's no graveyard at the church in real life, but in the dream, it was right there. But here's the deal. His dad wasn't buried in the ground. He was above ground. And there was this uh, bones. It was just bone structure, just, just skeleton bones. And it wasn't freaky or anything, but he was just his bones above ground. He was dead. So, but, but it didn't feel it in the dream. It felt normal, as weird as that sounds. But he had this almost translucent, clear uh, uh, body uh, or, or garment or mantle, however you want to word that, resting over his bones. It, it was almost like his skin, his body. And I looked at it, and I knew I had to pick it up and put it on. So I bend down, I pick it up, and I put it on my body. I put it all on, on me. And <laughs> that's wild. But when I did, my, my muscles expanded a little bit. And I went, ooh, man, this is, feels good. My, I'm getting muscles. So I looked at him, and I said, where's your grandfather's grave? And he said, oh, it's right over there on the other side of his father. So I've repeated the same process to his grandfather's grave. Did the same thing, and I got a little bit bigger. I looked at him, and I said, where's your great-grandfather's grave? <laughs> he said, over there. And so I went, and I bent down, and I picked his up, and the same thing happened, and I woke up. But I thought, man, what, Lord, what is all that about? And so as I, I prayed in breaking that down, Pastor Mitch, what does he represent to me? He represented a spiritual father in my life at that time and for my family. So that's his meaning. I know it. That's the message he's carrying. Why, why at Bonland, New Jersey, that was a special place for me in my life. God was bringing me back to that place where I was a son. So I felt like sonship was a big thing. So I said, what about the thing with his dad and his granddad and what's all that about? And I felt like the Lord said, Michael, this is just, and again, this is just personal where I feel like I'm at. And the Lord was like, these are, these are mantles. All three of these are mantles and impartations that I'm going to give to you for being a father. The first one is being a father. You're going you're gonna to really walk into being a father and a fatherhood of God like in your life right now more and more. You're going to learn to know what it's like to be a father. The second mantle is going to be like it but a little bit different. You're going to be a father of fathers one day and you'll be able to father other fathers. And then the third one was your inheritance. He said, that's your great-grandfather. That is the third generational. That is the inheritance that you're going to walk and tap into. So, you know, that was kind of some of the stuff that I got from it. But again, generational dream. Even though it wasn't my grandparent, it was his grandparents, but it was that spiritual connection. So anytime, I know that may be a little bit of a stretch example, but anytime, usually you're dreaming of, of uh, grandparents or parents, it's a generational dream. So for me, that was a generational blessing that I was asking the Lord for an inheritance, you know, to be opened up. So I'm, la I'm laughing because me and Tracy, we always say we hang out in the graveyards. <laughs> we hang out in cemeteries and we dream about them. <laughs> you dream about cemeteries and graves all the time. I, we, I, I've had more. We have I've, a lot of photos. Well, we have a lot of photos, group photos in, in cemeteries. We, we spend a the lot Lord of time. The Lord likes to hang there, out there so. too, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that not that something? 
Let me, let me tell you. Let me see, Miss Mary. This morning, when we were in intercession prayer, mm. we were talking about addictions and breaking addictions. Yes. And while we were talking, well, I think you were talking about it, my great-grandfather's name came to me, which I have almost heard nothing about any of my generations. But I do feel it was a generational curse. Mm. And that's, that's what came to me when I heard the name. And you were talking, we were talking about addictions. So I need to go and ask the Lord what, what it does and what could be cut off. Yes. And we, we talked briefly, Tom and I. And it was just unusual to have his name come to me. I know nothing about him. Yeah. But there was a, a word given to me, which I won't share with everybody, where the addiction was. Wow. And where it started in the family. Wow, that's awesome. What do you mean? Yes. Let me hold on this. You said nine out of ten times it's a generational issue at work or if it's a house they're associated with. Did you mean to say a house? Yes, because let's say we could have a dream about our grandparents' house or family member's house that we've never been in, but it's in the dream it's their house. So usually that's a generational, there's a connection with a generational issue in that dream. Does that make sense? Not the house you grew up in. It may be your it may be the house your grandparents grew up in, but you may not even never been in there in the natural, but you know, you've ever had those dreams where you just have knowledge. Like you just know in the dream itself, this is what that means. Here you go, Bishop. Yeah, before we move to nine, I just wanted to ask about siblings because we are talking about family members. Yes. So if you dream about siblings and uh, because we talked about parents, but not about siblings. Yes, good question. Typically, what I've learned and I've read through some of these books, now again, this is according to them, general rule of thumb can mean different things. They say that brothers and sisters usually rep a representation of yourself in the dream. That God is revealing an aspect of you in the dream, which connects us back to our main point in the first class that almost all the dreams are always about you. Sometimes for me, it's contending. For, for me, like, God has really used me a lot in, in cleansing my bloodline and just contending for the inheritance for my sibling, fighting mm -hmm. against those spirits that try to attack him and so forth. Also, um, brother-in-law or sister-in-law. So usually if it's an in-law dream, that represents legalism, usually legalism at work, spirit of religion at work, if it's, you know, because it represents the law, law. So usually, a lot of times, that's that's what that will mean. Marlene. I really have to share this because you're going into generational stuff. Um, I had a dream about Greg. I went to a party, and he was there. And I said, Greg, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in heaven. And he says, I had to come back because I have to check on you. And I said, well, what, what's up? You know, what, what do you want? And he said, well, what did you do with the baby? And I said, the baby? What baby? And I said, oh, the baby. I said, I don't know. I, th I think I left it in the basement. I don't even have a basement. So I turned around, and Jennifer was there. And I said, Jennifer, do you know where the baby is? She said, yeah, Ma, you left it in the basement. And this was a month ago that I left it in the basement. So Jennifer said, don't worry, Ma, I'll take care of it. She goes in the basement. She takes the baby. She gives it a bath. She wraps it up. She feeds it. 
She puts it on the middle of my bed, and she said, now, Ma, don't forget to take care of the baby. And that was the end of the dream. Wow. Interesting dream. For you guys who don't know, Greg is her, her husband who passed away not too long ago. Well, who does Greg represent in that dream? Anybody know? Security? Yeah. I feel like it was the Lord. I, I felt like, too, I, I felt like it was the Lord. I feel like, I feel like Gregory represented the Lord. He was bringing security and comfort. But uh, he's reminding you of something. Don't forget about the baby. The question that you have to ask the Lord is, Lord, what baby? What am I forgetting? What are you trying to highlight to me? Come on. It could be something that the Lord wants to birth in you. Yeah, yeah it's something new. New birth, new, yeah. a new ministry, yeah. all kinds of things, a new life, yeah. So. You said Jennifer was there. I feel like it's related to her. Absolutely. And I feel like it's intercession. The baby is intercession. Intercession. I think it's something in you that the Lord's birthing in you is intercession. And specifically new life, meaning being a new one in Christ. Just a point of intercession maybe for your daughter or your inheritance. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's connected somehow. That's right. That's, that's really good. Um, brothers, so brother, sister typically represents a portion of yourself or a reflection of yourself. Again, it could also mean them. It could also mean a literal meaning. You, you have to take that into consideration, what, what the dream is saying. Um, brothers-in-law, sister-in-law, remind me, we'll cover husband and, and wife. I wanted to ask about children, your own children. Yes. So children... Usually inheritance, usually inheritance. So kind of like this could be a, a contending dream for Marlene for inheritance for her family because Jennifer's her daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's right on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, usually, go, usually the basement, you got to go low. You're going low. It's, it's undercover. It's, it's deep. It's down, you know, humility. Absolutely. Right. Represents. That's right. Go ahead, Miss Pat. It's another question. Y'all keep talking about inheritance, and I'm not sure I fully understand okay. what you're meaning. So, can you expound on what inheritance is? Let me give you. Okay. Um, yes. You want to take that one? I think it's generational blessings. It's it's the bloodline. <laughs> let me let me give you an example, and uh, if if okay, just walk with me. It's it's a little bit of a story, but it's it's really good. We touched on it a little bit the other week. Amber shared last week, if you remember, she had a dream of an old house where a girl whose name was Claire was in there, 
we interpreted that was clarity, an angel that was her family house from her ingle. Her maiden name's ingle from her ingle's side. So we felt that we needed to dig about her family line. Now, like she explained a little bit, the context that her and her dad never really had a good relationship. Uh, dad's a good man, but just, just made some mistakes. He had a rough life. Her dad, Mr. Ingle. Which he wasn't raised by his father. He, so never, he never met he's his He's a father. product of generational. Her dad, if you just follow me, this is really incredible. Her dad never met his dad. Tracking. He grew up in the foster care system. Dropped off, two years old, uh, just, just didn't have anybody. His siblings, they were all split by the foster care system. So it was a big mystery. No one knows anything on that side. Even when I talk to him, he, he doesn't hardly know anything. Her dad got the burden to trace down his natural father to have a conversation with him at 55 years old. But when he found him, it was too little too late. He had just died two, three years ago. So it was in Alabama. So we got to find it. And I said, well, Amber, let me dig on this, your dad's side, because so, I like genealogy. So I talked to her dad. He gave me information about his dad that just died in Alabama. So I started pulling up her gene genealogy line. So it was very interesting that I got a block on her dad's dad, left it alone. I get an invitation now to go speak in Alabama, in Birmingham, in real life. We find out it's only 15 minutes away from where her grandfather, this man that she's never met, that her daddy's never met, is only 15 minutes from the hotel. We're like, this is divine appointment. So we're, we're discovering, and I'm fa fast forwarding a lot the of The locator story. went into business. The locator. <laughs> and so, and so we're, we're fast forwarding. And so all of a sudden, we're on the way now to, uh, to that grave, to that location. Our friend Paul Hughes, who's been here many times, he was the prayer furnace director for Birmingham, Alabama Prayer. That's why we were there. I call Paul Hughes, who knows everybody in Birmingham, and I'm telling him this story. And I'm telling about my wife's side. They were Ingalls. They were from this part of Alabama. He's like, man, this is a long shot. But I got a good friend of mine. His name is Mike Ingle. He's a pastor of a church up in that, that county where, where you say Amber's grandparents were from. So I was like, give me, give me his number. I'll call him. So we don't know him from Adam. So we're, this is real life. I call him on the interstate, and I just start explaining to him who we are. We know Paul. We just hit it off. And so I said, listen, let me, let me ask you a strange question. Do you know your grandparents or your great-grandparents? And, and when he's like, well, you know what? Matter of fact, I do. I got a whole book on my genealogy and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, what? So basically, we find out in the car ride via the phone that this guy is Amber's cousin, like second cousin. Third cousin. Third cousin. Third cousin. My dad's second cousin. Dad's second cousin. Her third blood cousin. They share the same name, Ingle. Now, all that Amber and her whole family has ever known about their inheritance is nothing. Because that family wasn't talked about. He was left them. All I was ever told is, you have cousins all over the country. Yeah. That was it. So we get there, and I'm thinking, there man. There was I, nine total siblings. I, I, I'm thinking, we got to meet this guy, Mike, Mike Ingle. Now, we're going through a round of meetings with ministers and ministries and stuff. So we stumble on a brilliant piece of information. I mean, the Lord uncovers it. And what we find out, number one, we go to her grandfather's grave. And when we go to her grandfather's grave, now, mind you, she'd never met him before. We just received a piece of information from her uncle that she's only met one time in her life saying that this guy had a big... 
it wasn't good. It, it, I don't even know how to, I don't want to, I just, it just wasn't good. Skeletons. Bro, it, Which gave understanding to why he abandoned the family. He abandoned the well, family. Well, I don't know if he abandoned them, but I don't well, know. Uh, well, Nobody knows. Really there was knows. an incident that he did involving children, I'll put it that way, and it was not good. And the whole family was thrown into DSS or social services and gone, never communicated with his family. One day he was there, the next day he was gone. So we're sitting on this man's grave who we just found out did this awful thing, awful thing. And Amber just starts praying prayers of forgiveness for the grandfather she never met, standing in the gap and saying, I forgive you for not being there for my own dad. Now, I know that sounds really wild, but the Holy Spirit did something in that. And there was just something about standing on his grave in the natural, being a part of that. Tracy, Mike Hogan, they were there. I mean, the Holy Spirit just fell. We got up from that, and that's when we went to the hotel, and we discovered. Yeah, and just real quick, too, Bishop, to kind of tie in with the sibling, I feel like in the spirit something was unlocking for my brother generationally of a contending. Yes, because here's where it gets, it gets wild. Her dad's first name is Paul. This is crazy. Her brother's name is Paul. Paul. Now, there's no gaps. Uh, there's other Ingalls, different names. But the granddaddy is young Paul. Is Paul, young Paul, but they called him Paul. And we noticed that all three that had the first name carried some type of generational curse. You just see it right down the line. So now we pray on this guy's grave. It's like something's unlocked. The aunt that he supposedly did something with as a child, we call her that night at the hotel. That's Amber's aunt who she never spoke to in life. We got the phone number from another relative that night. She's like, I already know who you are, and I already know what y'all been doing down there in Alabama. And she just said, I just want to let you know I'm really blessed because I think this is going to help our family kind of bring closure and, 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 and stuff like that. I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, here's the, here's the end of that story. How fitting is God? All started with that dream. So now... We go to the last meeting with our buddy, Paul Hughes, because it's like a two thing, right? We're in Alabama. We're on one track. We're doing all this family genealogy on the side. And the real reason why we're in Alabama is we're connected with ministries to put the tent up there maybe at one point. So now our last meeting for the last four days there, three days there, is at a church. And Mike Engel, the guy that we taught, her third cousin, we say, man, would you come and meet us? And he comes and he meets us at the meeting. He walks in with a suitcase of all the Engel history. Now, when he walks through the door, Amber almost goes crazy like, Mike, Mike, because it looks like her father just walked in the door. Yeah, I, I could like it took my breath she away. She couldn't even breathe. Now, remember, only thing we know is negative on this family side. He walks in. He's a pastor. He said, well, I have good news to tell you. Not all the Ingalls were bad. Matter of fact, my father, my grandfather, your great grandfather. Our great great grandfathers were brother or brothers. They were brothers. And so that's where the Her line got the curse. His line got the blessing. His line were fourth generational preachers. He opened up the suitcase and laid out four generations of Bibles from the 1800s from granddaddy to daddy to granddaddy Ingle. And he said, the reason God sent me here, because I'm to pray and lay hands on you so you can receive the inheritance that you never received from our family. Boom! And she went out like the floor. 
you could feel the whole room was shaking, man. I mean, and it's a crazy whew, feeling Jesus. because in the natural, there's no emotional connection, right? Because I knew my dad. I never knew any of that family. But to tell you, I carried the weight mm. that whole trip. Like, Michael's like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, I was loving it. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Like, there was, I could feel the fear of rejection. Yeah. That, like, what if they don't want me? Like, that was just carried down that line. Yeah. And so there really is something about standing in the gap and contending. So if you can catch this, her grandfather, he was the one, because the choices he made, opened that door for the curse to come in her family line through all those Pauls. Watch this. We go to the family graveyard beyond her actual family who were all judges, preachers, government leaders, and owned all land, started the whole county. And every one of them, succession in the graveyard, all the way back to like the early 1800s. But there was one in the early 1800s her great-great-great-great-grandfather, who was a Mason, and got involved in secret societies and other things. His name was Paul. Yep. It was the Paul Sir. I think he was Paul, Paul Sir. Paul Sir, but they called but him But he Paul. was that lineage of Paul's. I could trace my direct line right back to him. And you could see on that first name in her line where that thing jumped and jumped. But we believe God sent us on assignment to Alabama to break that curse, number one, but then also for Amber to tap into an inheritance. I know that was a long answer. But to tap into an inheritance that she never received all began through that one dream. You know? And, and during this season, yeah, and during this season, I had so many dreams of alligators attacking, trying to get my girl. In my dream, I'm fighting to protect my girls from these alligators. I mean, I w it would be so real to me that I would wake up just weeping. Yeah, yes. so. Yes. That was unbelievable. Let me, let me get the Garrises first. Here you go, guys. I, I had a, a dream a few years ago. Um, there was a boat. It was. But I, like, the Lord's reminded me of this dream numerous times through intercession and prayer time. The Lord's, like, I just ask him, can you share this dream? Because for me, it's been, like, a point of prayer, not so much through dreams. Right. But the Lord will remind me of this dream, pray, pray, pray. And I've never personally got interpretation for it. But we are getting ready to walk through some of the generational stuff Saturday. And so it just came up to me, like, I think you need to share this dream. Do you remember? Because I only remember pieces of it. The Lord just reminds me of that. So I wanted to say that first before he shares the dream. Wow. Yeah, at, at the uh, main house that we lived in when I was younger, we had an old boat, and uh, it was like a fishing boat um, with a, a motor, a good motor, and um, it was a, a pretty good-sized boat, and, and in the dream, it was out in, on the driveway, and Christy and I were working on it because supposedly a big um, uh, a flood was coming, kind of like Noah's mm. flood, and uh, Dad told us to start bringing the boat inside because the, the rain was going to come. And so all of a sudden it just started, you know, the, the, it was raining cats and dogs, it came down. So we brought the boat inside and brought it up to a room, I guess it was my room when I was younger, and um, we were still working on it, and Dad like turns the engine on, uh, the motor, and uh, the motor just starts going fast, and as we're working, we keep getting cut by the motor, you can like look at our hands, and like there's cuts and uh, bruises and blood 
And he's like, keep working on it. We got we to get this boat working before the flood comes. And uh, we're telling him that, you know, it's going to cut us to pieces. But he's like, yeah, he's telling, uh, and we're still working on the boat. So uh, that, I don't know. That's just, that's the end. Wow. I think that's definitely a generational dream. One of the one, one of the first things I kind of got was it. Remember, we break down. You got your child at home, so going back to that point in your life, and uh, that's number one. You're with your dad, and uh, how is your relationship with your dad? Yeah. A little rocky. In the world, I got you. So what I, what kind of really struck out to me uh, was the first thing was the boat, which uh, represents calling, life or ministry, future inheritance, uh, more 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 like calling and uh, ministry. But the fact what I got from you working and cutting up your hand on the motor was that may be the generational curse of striving and trying to do it in your own strength that may have run down the family. If that if that bears witness. Amen. Yes, ma'am. In I the think back. it speaks of power oh. source, too, just real quick. Okay. The, the motor powers the boat. That's right. So who's your power source? Who's your source? Yes, ma'am, in the back. I keep um, coming back to this, this dream that I had uh, about three years ago. My mother-in-law came to stay with us because um, she was... Uh, she was in a car accident. She couldn't live by herself anymore. And my husband and her, they're not very close, and actually they can't be in the same room for more than maybe 10 minutes without arguing. And he tries, but um, there's too much pain between the two of them for for me to do anything about it. Uh, so I put it in God's hands. But one night I went to bed, and I had a dream that I was in my parents' 55th wedding anniversary. And my grandmother, my, my father's mother, was sitting across from me. And I couldn't see her face, uh, but I yeah. knew it was her. And she kept trying to speak to me. And I, I kept saying, um, I used to call her Mama. That's how we would refer to her. I'm like, Mama, I can't hear you. I can't hear you, what you're saying. And then something said to me, he's like, you can't hear her because she's on the other side. Because she has passed away now, like, maybe 18 years. And um, I said, I can't hear you. You're going to have to show me what you're saying. Because she puts her hands on her chest, and she cups them and then opens them up. And as she opens them up, there's two golden wedding rings. Mm. And she shows me the two golden wedding rings, and then she closes them up and puts them back in her heart. And then I woke up. So I always felt like she was warning me to protect my marriage. That's what I took it as. So and I took it at that way because my my husband and and his mother weren't getting along so at, at all at this time that they were constantly arguing and I was the person in the middle trying to, to bring the peace and it actually turned to him and I arguing. So I took that as and God's telling me that I need to protect my marriage. So hmm. we sent his mother to go live with his sisters. <laughs> yeah. Was it was it fifty five? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which, uh, which five we know is grace and intensified is 
double grace, intense grace. I, I'm just going to, I may be, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it out there. maybe may be off. I don't know, but you could judge it. Um, almost me, uh, uh, almost felt like two, your, uh, it was your father's mom, your grandma. Almost felt like she also represented the Lord. And I feel like, like as the Lord, he's contending for your marriage. He's letting you know I'm contending for your marriage. I'm holding it here in my chest. I'm letting you see that I'm contending for it. You know, I don't, that, that's kind of something that just uh, came to me as you were sharing. But, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing. I think her, meth- me- her method of conveying the message to you is really strategic, too. Like, she didn't vocalize it, but she showed, showed you. It. So I think even how she showed you, she was showing you how to contend for your marriage. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I'm going into cities, but I, I don't know where I am and I can't find my way out. And it's very, very confusing. But it's all little city buildings and shops and crazy looking shops and just nothing familiar to me, but I just keep going in there. <laughs> just, huh? Pastor Tom said missions. It's time to go on a mission trip. Pat. No, I'm just joking. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving. I'm gonna, I'll just hit on that a little bit and then I'll keep moving. Um, I just felt like uh, usually something like that context, I just hear the word confusion because sometimes that can be a very confusing, a lot of confusion going on. So there may be a battle right now that you're having with confusion or, or something, you know. But... Um, I think it's fear. Mm. I think there's something That's good. that you're going to be left on your own to f- figure things out, maybe. Fear of confusion. Yeah, amen. Not being That's able okay. to okay. We'll keep moving up. Let's um, be on... What time is it? It's 8.02. Oh, it's 5 after 8? Wow. That goes fast. All right. Sorry, guys. I really had uh, numbers and everything to cover, but um, well, I had to do it next time. Okay. Um, Joel's got one more, and then we're going to. Okay. Can, 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 you give me, can you give me 120 seconds, and we'll, we'll run through as fast as we can. If I'm just hold questions, um, dreams chasing. Typically, typically uh, chasing dreams is usually the Lord's revealing enemy, the enemy at work in our life at some point. So if we're <laughs> if we're yeah, if we're running away, if we're being chased or we're running away from something, what we want to ask is, okay, Lord, what do you, what what is there? Uh, where's the enemy at work in my life? Am I running from something? Is there maybe a confrontation that I need to have that I'm not having it? Um, and so I'm kind of looking the other way or going the other way. So, again, generally chasing dreams, somebody that uh, it, it just kind of reveals that the enemy's at work. Questions to ask. Who is chasing me? What am I running from? Do you feel fear or panic? Now, were you... Oh, yeah, absolutely. In the past, you would have them. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what you were being chased by? 
you know what you're being chased by or who? The, the cops. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's usually that's that's kind of what it means. Uh, could be running away from the call of God on your life or, or something. He may be wanting you to do or calling you to do. And you're just like, I am not doing that. And so he'll give you one of those dreams. Hey, you know, you run away or if you're in sin or anything like that. Again, those those kind of chasing dreams will come um, if that helps. If that helps a little bit. Years ago, yeah, yeah. I, I had the same way. I, I've had a few chasing dreams uh, before I knew the Lord. I had one after I knew the Lord, but I knew I was running away from a certain issue, and that's kind of what he revealed to me. Um, number nine, number nine, dreams of people, real quick. Dreams of people, uh, identify the person, family members, we covered that, acquaintances, Mine says dreams of people. Dreams it's of being people. I'm sorry, typo. It was just meant to be dreams of people. But I will say this on that dreams of people, um, and I think I covered this before. Remember, if you had a dream of, let's say, of a public figure, if, uh, let's say, in the ministry, a Bill Johnson, a Heidi Baker, a Benny Hinn, uh, a Billy Graham, remember, what does that mean? It means the impartation or something that they carry Maybe coming to your life, or the Lord is bringing something that they carry into your life. If it's a, if it's a city official, a public official, again, you want to find out what does that person represent? What does it mean? I have a friend. Well, we have a mutual friend and minister. Her name is Faith, and I dream about her all the time. And I think she just means what her name means, Faith. So sometimes it's just that simple, or even the the gifting that she operates in, which is the mm -hmm. pro prophetic. Absolutely. So that was class three. Amen. Okay. Yes, Ron. How many more? Class. One more. We have one more class. Yeah. I really wanted to cover the numbers, man. I had some really good stuff on the numbers. We'll have to, we'll have to do that. Yes, Bishop. Need more. Pastor Tom? <laughs> we can do it. I got. Okay. If you guys are good, Pastor Tom's good, we can do it. Amen. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor Tom, close this out in prayer here. And then we were going to take off for the holidays. So do you want to meet next week and the following week and then be done? Or do you want to pick up in January? Um, next, well, this is the 6th or the 13th. That would be the 20th. Okay, we're yeah. going to meet two more times. All right. and, I, and I got just one more question, too, since we're going to do that. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm just kind of going with this flow. I definitely want to cover numbers. I wanted to go in real depth into numbers and colors um, and a few, other, a few other symbols for sure. But if there's anything from you guys that you're really wanting to know any more about that we've not covered, you got anything? Okay. Flying? No. I've got to order them tomorrow. Thank you, Pat. Sorry. Need help. Okay. Just okay. one question. I don't dream much. Yes. But I hear words. Okay. God gives strange words. Strange words. And I need an interpretation of those words. 
What is the difference between a, that something and, and a dream? Yeah, I mean, it could be a few differences, but... Mick gives me very peculiar well, words. I, I feel like that's more kind of a... He's street, speaking straight at you. Remember, he told to Moses, he said, look, some I speak to in riddles and dreams. He said, some I'll just speak face to face. It gives me strange words, which yeah. I have to go, look, they're not my... my. I, would, I would just study those words, hold on to them. Okay. All right, well, let's all stand. You guys are all excited, invigorated? It's good. Yes, Write Jesus. down your dreams. Write them down. Write them down. Because uh, I just pulled up a dream I had in July that I know I got revelation on tonight on revelation. So dry, write them down, journal, get a little, just, just keep them. They, they'll come back anyway. Lord, we thank you. We're going to, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, do not scoff at prophecy. We're not going to be scoffers. Now it says, try and test all things. I love what Pastor Mike and Amber were careful about. We can't be dogmatic about certain things. But we do know that you said, ask me and I will reveal to you. Call to me and I'll answer you. Jeremiah 33. So, Lord, we want to be um, hearers. My sheep hear my voice. So we want to be those that are hearing. And we thank you, Father, for greater and greater revelation. I ask for the dreamers to dream and to hear truth. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you.